What is going on, everyone? Welcome to episode 13 of the Big Fly Pod with your co-host Christian Myers and myself, Ty Lewin. We're going to get into the world of free agency and some of the big off-season signings that have happened so far, along with some underrated signings that have happened here within the last week. We're also going to talk about arbitration, as that has been a main topic across some of the organizations so far this past week. We're going to get into how it works, just some of the big names currently involved right now. Uh, that will be going into potentially arbitration here into spring training. We're also going to continue our segment reviewing uh, just where teams are at roster rise along with where they're at along with in their farm system and what they're projected to look like here in 2023. We're going to roll through the Giants, the D-backs, and the Rockies. But let's go ahead and check in first with my co-host Christian. Christian, what is going on, man? Dude. We are ready to roll tonight. I've got the Colorado State and San Diego State basketball game going in the background right now. Need a nice four and a half or more point victory out of SDSU. So hopefully they can roll it together and pick up for me because Xavier let me down earlier today hard. So the bets are rolling tonight, folks. We're into college basketball season which at the end of the day, Christian, I feel like from a betting standpoint, might be the most stressful in, in all is. sports, I would say. It is. Um, right now yeah. on the month for college hoops, I'm at 8-2 and two after the Xavier loss earlier tonight. But it's been it's come down to the wire in a few of these basketball games that I've got some action on so far. So hopefully I can keep having a pretty good month, though. Hey man, I'm rooting for you. Absolutely rooting for you. Well, let's let's roll into free agency, folks. Um, we may have missed this last week, but a huge re-signing or just contract extension for Rafael Devers with the Red Sox for 11 years at 331 million dollars. The Red Sox lock up their guy as they got a ton of flack for losing Xander Bogarts to the Padres this past offseason. But as reports came out, it seemed like Devers was their guy all along. And they also, of course, have the potential number one prospect in all of baseball, Marcelo Meyer, in the farm system, potentially ready to go here in 2024. So Christian, when you're looking at this deal, it's obvious that you sign a guy that now you are a better team because of it and a better team for the future. But in your eyes, is this a good signing for the Red Sox in reference to maybe what you have seen so far from their plan? I don't know that it's a necessarily a good signing for the Red Sox as a whole. Obviously, right now, looking at it short-term, you lock up one of the better third basemen in the game who has been at the heart of their order for the last couple of years and really been the guy who's done a lot of damage. Um, if I think that they had a plan going into the off season that, you know, we were, we were okay to let Bogarts walk. So that way we could keep Devers around. And even though they, overpaid him I think um I think the rest of their plan has not gone as well as they would have liked to and a lot of that has to do with 
Trevor Story getting banged up and now being out for a couple months because I'm guessing that their original plan was we can move Story from second back to short for at least a year to give Meyer that extra year in the minor leagues to continue to develop. And now they're kind of stuck in a position where they're either going to need to bring him up way earlier than they expected to, or they're going to now have to go out again and get a another free agent who they'll probably have to try and convince to take a pretty low ball one year deal offer and just play him out until Story's able to come back. And then if you strike gold with that signing, then you get a guy who can just be a plug and play to give guys rest days. Um, and who knows, who knows what's going to happen. I think having Justin Turner there though, gives them a little bit more flexibility, but I still don't know that they have a true everyday shortstop in their lineup right now. Great analysis right there. Looking at the free agents currently still available. Elvis Andrews, who had a really good second half season last year with the White Sox. Jose Iglesias, an uh, absolute sure-hand shortstop, along with Alcides Escobar, Anderson Simmons, D. Strange Jordan, and Didi Gregorius. So still some names out there that obviously aren't going to blow you off the stat sheet, but still some names that can fill the void for the time being so they avoid having to bring Meyer up uh, right away. Now, some of the other names that got signed here within this last week, we're just going to roll through the list, folks, here and just add in a couple points. Andrew McCutcheon to the Pirates on a one-year deal. Great storyline here for the last uh, potentially year for McCutcheon or uh, who knows, maybe last year uh, in 2024 if he does resign with the Pirates. Pirates making some sneaky moves here moving into the 2023 season. Trey Mancini to the Cubs on a two-year deal. Very, very excited about this move as a Cub fan myself. I believe that we are adding guys that are – Obviously, winners, but also two guys that you can be versatile with, uh, with adding guys like Bellinger, who could play outfield and first base, Mancini, who could play outfield and first base. Um, of course, adding Dansby Swanson, some of these other names as well. We're just starting to put together a lineup that I feel like can really compete here in 2023. So, again, when I thought was going to be a rough offseason potentially and all these different projections of who they were going to get, they made some fantastic moves. And they're putting themselves in a good position here for the future. They have this kind of like, you know, screw around period probably for the next two years to try and see what would fit and trying to see if they can get in the playoffs in certain situations based on the fact that they just have a lot of guys that are still developing through their system. PCA and Pete Crow Armstrong, along with guys like Kate Horton, still a lot of guys that just need more time. And this is filling that ability to give them time to do that. We're going to roll through the rest of the names here. Tommy fan to the Tommy fam to the Mets on a one year deal. Adam Duvall to the Red Sox on a one-year deal, just signed here today. Brian Anderson, former third baseman for the Marlins, very solid bat for them. Shocked that they let him go, signed a one-year deal with the Brewers, an underrated signing. Um, staying on the topic of the Brew crew, the Brewers signed Wade Miley, left-handed pitcher, formerly with the Cubs this past season, dealt with a lot of injuries. He's coming back. He's going there on a one-year deal. Uh, one of the most liked people in all of baseball, outfielder Brett Phillips, signed with the Angels on a one-year deal that is really putting them in a predicament now because now their outfield situation is starting to look a little strange. 
um, with what they're going to do with some of their prospects, how they're going to handle the outfield situation. There will be a very interesting storyline going in here into the 2023 season. Oakland A's signed Japanese right-handed pitcher Shintaro Fujinami. I apologize if I butchered the name in any way on a one-year deal. He had a 3.41 ERA in 87 starts in the KBL this past season. Finally, A.J. Pollock to the Mariners on a one-year deal. Uh, had an injury-plagued season last year with the White Sox, but still another just solid bat that the Mariners are getting. A lot of these teams that small market teams are really putting together some solid lineups. So I'm really, really excited to see how that's going to transverse into the 2023 season. Now, let's talk arbitration. The world of arbitration is going on right now. Uh, in years past, we probably saw a lot more traction in in this uh, in this in this basically portion of the off season when it came to arbitration with some of the bigger names going to those hearings. Uh, but Christian, I'd love to open it up for you just to kind of walk through just what arbitration is, what it entails, and kind of what we're expected to see here over the next coming weeks. Yeah. So basically. I mean, the easiest way to put it is um, once you hit a certain level of service time in the big leagues and before you are eligible for free agency, you go through this process that's called arbitration. Um, So in order to hit that service time, you have to be a player who's had three years of service time, uh, but you haven't hit the full the full amount of contract to be eligible for free agency, or if you are a player who's been up for two years and you're in the top 22% of all major league baseball players for service time, you're what's called a super two and you get to go to arbitration. And essentially what happens is the teams will give you a number and say, you know, this is what we think that you're, value is for next season and the players if they disagree they'll come back and they'll present their number of you know this is what I think I'm worth here and before they get to the hearings they are the teams and the players can negotiate amongst themselves and reach a settlement which is what if you've seen that in in the headlines over the last week or so um that's what we've been seeing so far is guys that settle with a team. And usually it's somewhere around the midpoint of what the team thinks and what the player thinks. So that way they can avoid going to the arbitration hearing, because then if they, <coughs> excuse me, if they don't settle and they go all the way to the hearing, what happens is the team will, you know, put together their big presentation of, how they value you. And basically it will be all of your stats from the year prior, which is called the platform year. And they'll take all the stats from the platform year and say, here's what you did last year. Here's how it compares to other similar players at your same position. And they'll use evidence of how they've gone through this arbitration process in the past or signed free agents in the past at that position to show how that position is valued within the organization. And then the players will through their agents will do the same thing and they'll demonstrate all of their stats. They'll present why they believe that they are worth 
X amount of dollars uh, based off of what other guys are making throughout the league at that position. And it's just a big back and forth really of, you know, it, it, it's players saying why they're more valuable to a team and essentially teams telling players, you know, we understand your value, but we don't think of you as highly as you think of yourself. And, and then at the conclusion of the hearing, there's a panel of arbiters who will say who wins and there's no middle ground or anything. It's either the team wins and you get the number that the team put forward or the player wins and you get, uh, the player gets the number that the player put forward. Um, so that's why I think a lot of guys go and just settle because they don't want to risk having an arbiter rule in favor of the team. And that is basically how it works. So those hearings, they take place uh, around the beginning of spring training. So I think this year they start on January 30th and go through the 17th of February. Um, so, you know, you'll see – You'll see guys like I think Callis and Mayo are the two big ones who will post what happens and whether the team wins or the player wins. And then after they go through arbitration, they in one year they can continue to go through it um, until they hit their free agency period, which is I think what Max Fried's been doing the last couple of years. He's just continued to go through this arbitration process year in and year out and get himself even more money than what he was getting paid before. Excellent breakdown, brother. And just going into this, uh, looking at the top players that are currently going to be going into arbitration, potentially, obviously this can change throughout the time period that comes up to the hearing. But as, of course, as Christian mentioned, the backs free and the Braves, Corbin Burns, who was a premier, obviously, pitcher within the last couple of years for the Brewers, he is potentially going to be going to arbitration along with Luis Arias from the Twins, uh, one of the you know top batting average every single year over the last couple of years in the AL, and Jeff McNeil and the Mets, uh, another guy that such a solid bat. And while you can look at this and say it's sad that these teams don't agree, at the end of the day, from my perspective, Christian, you know, they're still a business and they have to figure out where their funds are going to go. And so when a player is asking for more money, that screws up where that money is potentially going. And while people look at it as all oh, the, you know, they don't care about the players. While I can see where that's at, at the end of the day, all of these MLB organizations are business entities in themselves. And they are going to be looking to save every nickel and dollar because they have to be able to project their spending over the next couple of years and what their budget's going to look like. Uh, and if a guy's coming in saying he's worth, you know, two to three million more than maybe what they projected, that is going to cause some friction when it comes to their um, relationship. And of course, coming up to the point where they potentially are out of that arbitration signing uh, the, their arbitration years and are becoming unrestricted free agents. So Christian, great breakdown there, man. Let's roll into our new uh, segment that we started last week, of course, with doing the Dodgers and Padres, where we rotated through just looking at what the rosters look like, what what their lineups projected are look, are to look like, maybe what their rotations, along with some of their farm system guys as well. Um, and so we're going to go ahead and start with the Giants. And looking at their outfield right now, they did make some moves. Of course, the, the biggest thing this offseason was the whole Carlos Correa ordeal, along with the fact that 
there was a post out there that Aaron Judge was a San Francisco Giant either for a day or six days or whatever the whatever that all looked like. But the Giants are not rolling with either of those guys, but they are rolling with a decent lineup here into 2023. Outfield-wise, they're looking at Austin Slater, uh, of course, one of the speediest guys across baseball in regards to uh, center field. Jock Peterson. Michael Conforto, who came, who's coming off of uh, taking off last year, 2022, due to a shoulder injury and surgery that did require some additional time more than expected. Mitch Hanniger, a very underrated signing, and Mike Yastrzemski. Infield-wise, looking at third base, Wilmer Flores is projected right now to be their third baseman, along with Brandon Crawford at shortstop. Uh, Tyro, I believe that's how you say his first name, Estrada, who is a up-and-comer here in the Giants system at second base. And first base, J.D. Davis. Joey Bart at catcher, who, while many folks look at it as saying, oh, this is a guy who is a bust, he didn't turn out to be who he was supposed to be, I think we need to give this guy some time and understand that guys don't absolutely, you know, blow, you know, blow the stat charts off the sheet like guys like, you know, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. or Juan Soto or some of these big names that have come out uh, out of the you know, out of the docks, firing away. I think Joey Bart just needs a couple of years to get his feet under him. Rotation-wise, Logan Webb, part of the USA World Baseball Classic team coming up here in March. Uh, Ross Stripling, who was signed here this past offseason, along with Sean Manaya, another free agent signing. Alex Cobb and Alex Wood. Now, Christian, from a top prospect standpoint, guys that we can look at coming into the 2023 season that could potentially make an impact for this team or maybe potentially going into 2024, who are we looking at? Well, I know I've mentioned his name before on the podcast, uh, but Kyle Harrison is the pitching pitching prospect from the Giants that – I think everybody needs to keep an eye on, you know, I've, I hyped him up pretty big a few episodes ago and I think this kid's just the real deal. I saw him pitching in high school and um, you know, was, it was pretty clear that he was going to be a guy who was going to make his way through the minor leagues pretty quickly and get up to the big league level. And I think that the goal with him for the giants is to have him come up Um, sometime probably down the stretch they're late and if he continues to post numbers like he's posted before in the minor leagues I think it might even be sooner than later that they get him up I mean just electric stuff really a guy who I think can once he steps in is probably not going to be going up and down too often and the Giants looking ahead to this year and looking even past this year have a a pitcher who's going to probably be at the top of that rotation within the next couple of years. And then from a position player standpoint, um, the name that I'm looking at to keep an eye on for this year is Casey Schmidt, who I actually played against uh, in college. He went to San Diego state and was a two way guy there. And I mean, just electric on both sides of the ball, both um, pitching and in the infield, and um, they've turned him now into just a infielder solely, and he's a guy who's been really flashing the leather. His bat was a little bit slow when he first got drafted, and it took him a little while to kind of get that going, but saw some consistency down in the in the high A, double A levels last year, and I think with the 
aging right left side of that infield in uh in san francisco i think schmidt might be a guy who comes up and just makes a name for himself early with the glove but i think the bat will probably be not too far behind if we see him up at the big league level as soon as this year great breakdown there kyle harrison uh just actually came out here this last week kyle harrison is projected or right now the number one left-handed pitching prospect in all of baseball so when we're talking about a guy that's going to potentially make an impact and stay in the big leagues for the foreseeable future, uh, they, the MLB does see it that way as well. So just, Christian, on, on on the topic of the Giants, just any thoughts with the lineup there, anything with the roster that kind of sticks out, maybe things to watch out for, or maybe some guys they should pick up here before uh, you know spring training and the regular season begin? I think that – They've done a really good job making some moves in through free agency this year to boost that outfield a lot. Um, I know the Correa deal that fell through was, you know, a a, a bummer um, for them. But I think you get to play Brandon Crawford at shortstop still, who was pretty open about the fact that he wasn't too thrilled that that Correa deal was even going on just because, you know, nobody let him know about it. And I think, you know, it's, it, he's, he's right to kind of have that disdain a little bit, but um, just looking through their lineup, I think one of their bigger holes is probably at first base. And I mean, a guy that I think they should consider going after, even though, you know, he's older is, uh, Yuli Gurriel, who's still on the board right now and a very consistent player. I mean, hasn't really seen too much drop in production, even though he's getting older. And I think if they wanted to try to pick up somebody for losing Brandon Belt, I think that would be a really good guy to go after and try and grab. That's an excellent prediction. A guy that you actually had during the World Series being the guy who would lead with most hits um, and has shown so much success over the last couple of years. So, yeah, man, that's a, that's a great prediction right there. Let's move on to the D-backs. Uh, the Diamondbacks are rolling in the 2023 season with quite a few prospects that have now either become established veterans, if you want to call them that, just in regards to being up in the big leagues last year and getting their feet wet, now being able to go in this next year and uh, being able to solidify those positions for the team in 2023. Outfield-wise, Alec Thomas, along with Corbin Carroll, two prospects that have come up here in the last couple of years that dominated through the minor leagues and are now established in that lineup. Kyle Lewis, who was dealt from the Mariners uh, this past offseason, as well, a guy who was their number one prospect for quite some time, maybe just, again, maybe not in the right place at the right time, possibly in now a better position of going to a younger team, a team that doesn't have high expectations and might find himself playing every single day. Uh, Luis Guerrero Jr. dealt from the Blue Jays in the Gabriel Moreno deal, um, which was a solid, solid deal for both sides. Uh, with Dalton going to, of course, the Blue Jays, and Jake McCarthy also on that outfield lineup as well. Infield-wise, projections for third base, Evan Longoria along with Josh Rojas. Um, it looks like right now they're saying Longoria is going to play more DH. Again, a guy, of course, that you could put over at third base. Shortstop Nick Hamed. 
um, Kettle Marte over at second base, and Christian Walker over at first base, a very underrated first baseman in baseball um, and can put the ball over the fence on a pretty consistent basis. Catcher-wise, you're looking at Carson Kelly, a guy we mentioned earlier, Gabriel Moreno, dealt from the Blue Jays, and Josh Herrera. Starting rotation rise, you're looking at Zach Gallen, Morel Kelly, Madison Bumgarner, Zach Davies, who just signed a one-year deal again with the D-backs here this past week, and Ryan Nelson. Now, before we get into the top prospects, Christian, who we look at from this lineup and this roster, anything that stands out to you? I mean, I like the the youth that they have there for sure. Um, those three outfielders that you talked about in Thomas, Carroll, and Lewis is going to be a really good core for them. And that Lourdes Gurriel deal as well is something that's going to really, I think, play a benefit to them just to have at least one veteran out there with whichever two of those younger guys that they decide to go with. Um, you know, Carroll, I think right now is a pretty heavy favorite for rookie of the year next year. And we saw glimpses of him before um, during when they called him up last year, we saw glimpses of what he could do. And then in their infield too, it's pretty, I mean, pretty well-rounded, I think with just a bunch of different approaches that they'll have in the batting order, but a really solid, solid core group right there. Um, You know, looking at, at the pitching side of things, I think that they still need to try and figure out something at the back end of the rotation. I don't know how much, um, I mean, I don't know how great that Zach Davies will necessarily do for them, but um, I think there's, you know, there's, there's some wiggle room there. Cause we saw like Tommy Henry last year, a little bit who came up and pitched pretty well for them who could step in and fill in if need be. But I think that's going to be a a big hole for them to somehow try to fill as as the season progresses and see what happens over the first few weeks um, of the season. Yeah, I'm looking at a couple guys right now, like a Johnny Cueto, even potentially a Michael Walker. Um, you know, I've I of course have to throw out the name Trevor Bauer, which probably is unlikely at this point, as I mentioned last week, that um, I could actually see the Padres signing him. But there's still some really solid names out there where I think I I think it'd be wrong of them not to try and get one more uh, pitcher in there because you just never know with young lineups, especially in, in the world of sports these days, where how elite some of these youth prospects are. That if this offensive lineup is as legit as it could potentially be you need to have the opportunity to solidify them with pitching because for these guys to feel as if this organization is moving in the right direction, want to stay with this organization for the foreseeable future, they have to see that this team is willing to invest in the pitching. They've dealt with such disappointment for so long that they need to be able to put themselves in a position where, hey, guys, we have all this young talent on the um, offensive side. We have still a farm system that is so legit with some players that are coming up that I I truly believe that if they want to just make a really precedent with the young guys, I think that's the move they got to make. Top prospects-wise, Christian, who are we looking at? Yeah, so keep it on the same realm and go uh, one position player, one pitcher. And the position player to look at who – probably isn't going to be up at all this year, but maybe early 2024 is Jordan Lawler, who a lot of people had as a big time guy coming out of high school 
thought he was maybe going to get drafted a little bit higher than he did, but fell to the Diamondbacks. And this is a guy who I think they're going to try and just keep molding in the minor league system until uh, Nick Ahmed either gets, you know, traded or leaves via free agency, um, which I'm not sure what his contract looks like, but I got to imagine it's going to be coming up either this year or next year. But just a really, really good player, really swings it really well, good gap-to-gap guy, um, and is going to have a chance to come up soon with the rest of that young crew that the Diamondbacks are putting together. And then from a pitching prospect standpoint, I think Dre Jameson is the eye or is the guy to keep an eye on. Um, saw him a little bit last year. He made I think four or five starts for the Diamondbacks throughout the season and did did really well for them. I mean, had a sub two ERA in the big leagues last year and like we were just talking about with the need to fill out the back end of that rotation. This could be a guy that we see do that for them and do it well, uh, just based off what he was able to do last year. Great breakdown, my brother. D-backs are such an exciting team, man. We're starting to see a lot of the teams that struggled for so long. They now have guys that are coming up that are going to make a potentially immediate impact, and hopefully the D-backs do the right thing and make them a uh, – you know, D-back, you know, for the foreseeable future. Now let's roll into our final team here, the Rockies, a team that, hmm, how do I say this lightly, has well, win the World frustrated Series fans. In yeah, win the, yeah, win the World Series in 2023. Um, yeah, kind of like the, yeah, this is, a, this is a touchy subject. Okay, let's just roll into it. Outfield-wise, Charlie Blackman, Chris Bryant, former Cub, Cub for Life, Randall Gritchick, Nolan Jones, Jonathan Darza. Infield-wise, looking at third base. Right now, they're projecting Ryan McMahon to play third base. Excellent player across the zone right there. Shortstop, Ezekiel Tovar. Second base, Brennan Rogers. First base, CJ Crone with, the I think, the longest home run last year. Um, with, I think it was like over 515 feet or something. It was ridiculous. Catcher-wise, Felias Diaz along with Brian Cervén. Rotation-wise, are Herman Marquez, Kyle Freeland, Jose Urena, Ryan Feltner, and Austin Gomber. We're going to look at, let's do this. Let's let's do this. I think this is appropriate. I'm going to turn the mic over to you, and you just roll through everything you want to talk about with this team, and I will probably just say, you know, good analysis at the end of all this. So I turn the mic over to you, brother. So if you if you listeners don't know, I'm a huge Rockies fan and I'm able to put my my affinity for the team aside when I talk about them because it's an absolute embarrassment of an organization. But while it is a a terrible I mean it's not not a team that's probably going to be a contender, but what the Rockies have is one of the best problems that they could have on the offensive side of the baseball, which is trying to figure out how to put a lineup together with all of the hitters they've got. Um, You know, Blackman is Mr. Rocky. I mean, he's been very consistent every year. You know, he's starting to kind of fade a bit, but he still puts up good enough numbers at the top of the order. McMahon, 
has stepped in and filled Nolan Arenado's void over the last couple of years. And even though, you know, he's not Arenado, he still puts up, I mean, just incredible, incredible numbers and plays defense really well over there too. Um, and I think it's kind of softened the blow a bit from losing Arenado. Now, Tovar coming up to play short is a guy who everybody around here is really excited about, including myself. I mean, the hype around him is is big. You know, we're we're looking at a guy who might be able to be in conversations for rookie of the year by year's end. Um, the big question mark is going to be Chris Bryant and how long it takes for him to go into a slump and get hurt again and miss a lot of time. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of that contract at all when we gave it to him and was even less of a fan of it as the year went on last year. Obviously, the big holes for us here in Colorado are with the pitching staff, both starters and in the bullpen. You know, Marquez was an all-star a couple of years ago and then came out last year and flopped. Kyle Freeland, I had really high hopes for and even talked about him maybe being a top five Cy Young finisher a couple years ago, and he got sent down to AAA after the third week of the season. Uh, I think started to kind of figure it out again last year, so if he can come back this year really strong, that's going to be great. Feltner was a young guy last year who showed some signs of being a pretty good pitcher. I mean, there were a few times where I think you could argue he was probably the best pitcher on the staff. Um, and if that can, if that can happen again, that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but you know, still not high hopes for the pitching staff here. And then the bullpen is, is tough and who knows what's going to go on there. Uh, there's a guy that I'll talk about here in, in a second that I think could be a huge, huge key piece in that bullpen perhaps. Um, but we've got to figure out a way to get the ball to Daniel Bard with the lead in the ninth a lot more often, because I think Bard, I don't think last year was a fluke for him. I think he's going to have another really dominant year this year and hopefully have more opportunities to actually get some saves. Great breakdown, brother. I, as I did say, I would I would say great analysis. Um, I would also agree with the fact that Daniel Bard is a premier talent that unfortunately is just not with the organization right now. That's going to, you know, at, from an MLB standpoint, from a fan standpoint, I don't think people are going to know about his name, but in the future, and I hate saying this to you and I, I respectively say this, but he's going to be a great trade piece potentially in the future, especially for teams that need him at the trade deadline before going, you know, it's a playoff team. So hopefully that is something that they do, but if they don't, and they are actually a team that somehow finds, you know, the opportunity to be a wild card team, um, like other teams as well that are in that kind of that, just that weird kind of, uh, you know, zone right now of, you know, are they contenders potentially for a playoff spot or are they going to be falling under again? I, 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 I mean that's that's a lineup right there that could still that could still do some damage. I just hope that they stay healthy. So, prospect wise, any guys you're looking at? Yeah, well, before I before I get into that, I mean, I think you're you're right that Bard could be a good trade piece, but I think it'll I'll be okay to trade him because 
the Rockies are going to sign Araldis Chapman at some point, and then we'll be able to flip him into that closer role because he's going to sign here on a cheap deal and because we'll be the only team that offers him and he's going to have his bounce back year. So I just wanted to make sure and throw that out there first. Uh, but now going to the prospects, I'll start with the pitching prospect who is the guy that I said I would talk about in a second, and that's Ryan Rollison, who was a first rounder a few years ago out of Ole Miss, has battled some arm troubles in the in the minors, and there's a lot of talk now about him not being used as a starter um, until he can show that that arm is actually 100% healthy and good to go. So they are looking at him to be one of the key pieces out of the bullpen this year um, is you know, what people have been saying, whether that's true or not, will, I guess, be found out come April. But if he is able to step in and do what everybody has been kind of waiting to see, I think that's going to be very, very exciting guy to, to watch pitch here for however long um, he pitches until we trade him. And then as far as the uh, position player prospects, I mean, there, there's actually kind of a lot in, in the Rockies farm system right now of guys that are going to come up relatively soon. And as long as they pan out the way that they are expected to pan out, um, you know, it, it could be, it, it could actually be kind of a scary team come probably 2025. But the one guy to really focus in on is Zach Veen, who is, I mean, it's easy to say he's one of the top prospects in baseball right now. He's number one prospect for the Rockies, a uh, real just five tool player in the outfield, super, super fast. Um, I mean, one of those guys that, you know, in, you, you can make the joke that a single turns into a triple because he just gets on, steals second, steals third, and he's got that kind of we- those kind of wheels um, and defensively is going to be a good replacement for, uh, I mean, probably Grichik because I think his contract's up at the end of this year. So Veen will probably be the everyday center fielder by next year at least, if not this uh, late in the two this coming year. <laughs> yeah, Zach Veen is absolutely uh, going to be a dominant player in baseball. Uh, he was a guy that they drafted. A lot of people were like, well, you know, tall, lengthy guy. And turns out he basically does everything across the field. So I would agree with you, man. I mean, the Rockies, while this – and this is where it gets that topic, right? Are we looking at a team that is on the come up? You know, you look at the Diamondbacks. You look at the Bar- uh, the Baltimore Orioles – teams that have farm systems that they've developed for years and years and they've all their focus has been on just developing those guys and they will get to a point where they become a dominant team that can compete for potentially a world series i think the rockies may be in that boat here fairly soon and they the only thing is is that they just have a lot of front line names that are guys that people thought were going to be going to the rockies to be an immediate impact player and again that can totally change this year if everyone stays healthy. It's a really, really nice lineup. I think that if they do, the, if 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 guys stay healthy, good things are going to happen. 
Well, that rolls through our segment, and that rolls out the rest of the NL West. We will roll into the NL Central next week, uh, and we'll decide which name or which teams we're going to go through starting next week. Uh, just some last notes here. International signing period began this past Sunday, January 15th. The Padres grabbed the top international prospect, 16-year-old catcher Ethan Salas uh, out of Venezuela. That was a big name that came out of there, of course, all teams are signing multiple, multiple prospects. These kids are so young, um, and I know that a lot of these names, you know, put, sadly may not make it to the big leagues or may not make it as top prospects. But this is something that teams focus on, as we've seen players now in the major leagues that came out of this international uh, international signing period and have developed into some of the premier talent across all of baseball. So, obviously, a very exciting time there. Uh, we are just over a month away from spring training, folks. We uh, It begins here on Friday, the February 24th. We are also going to be doing some previews of the college baseball season, as both Christian and I are, are very passionate about college baseball and love to talk about it. And if you haven't watched college baseball in the past, if I were to point out a specific baseball series this year that you may have to pay for ESPN+, Plus. But I truly believe the Tennessee versus LSU series in Baton Rouge towards the end of March is going to be one of the best baseball series that we ever see in reference to college baseball. You have two teams with LSU now coming back to the top tier of all college baseball after a few years of being kind of in a difficult position. They brought in a new coach. They brought in some big-time players from other schools along with signing some of the top prospects out of high school along with Tennessee being that team last year that was just such a fun, energetic, electric team to watch, one of the best crowds and fan bases in all of baseball. It's going to be an all-time series, and I highly recommend that it'll be a Thursday through Saturday matchup. Finally, we just want to give our thoughts and prayers to Liam Hendricks, uh, who was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. This is a story that came out here, and of course, respectively, all the teams have come out and shown their support. Um, at the end of the day, this is still; uh, these are all still human beings, and we just wanted to send our thoughts and prayers to Liam and his family, and of course, the White Sox. Uh, with just you know, at the end of the day, we just want to see this guy get healthy, get back on the field. Uh, Hendricks has been somebody that for a lot of people has seen as just such an electric pitcher and also to just a wonderful personality in, in, in reference to the world of baseball from coming from the A's to the White Sox and being actually from Australia, which just is so cool in, in reference to what he's done for baseball uh, and, of course, international baseball. But we just want to make sure that we just send our thoughts and prayers to him as he fights through this, and hopefully we see him on back on the field soon. Um now that rounds out our episode 13 here. Really a fun episode uh, for us as we roll into the coming weeks before spring training. Of course, the World Baseball Classic, of course, college baseball, and finally the regular season that starts here in uh, the coming months. Christian, anything else here before we sign off? Um, no, I just hope SDSU keeps this run going right now. That's it. That's it for me. Other than that, we will uh, we'll holler at you guys all next week. Yep, yep. Keep the bets going, folks. Uh, you probably heard some reactions during the podcast of Christian watching this. This is not our full time job, folks. So if you at all are offended by the fact that we may be watching sports while podcasting, 
we're just guys being dudes at the end of the day. Well, thanks so much, folks, for signing in. We appreciate you guys, and and thank you so much for listening to all our episodes. Um, we'll continue to try to grab people for interviews, whether that being from college baseball, the world of baseball, or just the world of sports, as you've seen here with some of our interviews we've done. And uh, looking forward to getting that going here, hopefully into the regular season. Have a great night, folks, and, and we will talk to you here again soon.